We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you sitting down with us. Have a seat. Grab a popcorn. As Doc would say, a burrito de carne asada con queso. And uh, enjoy the episode, which, of course, is brought to you by Prize Picks. Now, Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports. Two to six players, almost any sport you want. More than, less than of whatever statistical output you want to select, then you watch the winnings roll in. If you're going to check it out, go to prizepicks.com slash gold and use the promo code gold and get yourself a first deposit match of up to $100. means if you put in $100, you are all of a sudden going to have $200 in your account thanks to PrizePix. Again, prizepicks.com slash gold forward slash, excuse me, slash gold and use the promo code gold. Um, in the words of... A 49ers tight end, George Kittle. I will be back here. You will not get the best of me. No, sir. I will be back here, and I will be back here with a motherfucking vengeance. Well, guess what? He's back. The 49ers, in one of the biggest comebacks in NFC Championship history, rallied to beat the... Lions, 34-31, after a halftime score of 24-7, the entire 49ers world and NFL world trying to figure out what the hell happened to the San Francisco 49ers. They came out in the second half and put together one of the greatest comebacks um, that we've ever seen in the playoffs. It was special, and I am absolutely going to stumble and fumble and bumble my way through this episode because in my mind it is just information overload what we just watched at one point it just looked like a phenomenal ass kicking of epic proportions that really made the game seem like it was over before it began 
not over before it began, but it was, it, it seemed like it was over early. Looked like the 49ers had no answer on either side of the ball. And they come out in halftime and, uh, and everything changes. The 49ers now have the most playoff wins in NFL history, which is a fancy stat, but they need one more. And it's going to be against none other than the Kansas City Chiefs, who had their own rally to beat the 49ers the last time they were in the Super Bowl. And uh, the two are going to do it again. And contrary to conspiracy theorists, uh, the Super Bowl logo does not feature the colors of... It features the colors of one of the teams in the Super Bowl, but it does not feature the others. The Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10. to And, I mean, the score wouldn't tell you that was an entertaining game. It was a very back-and-forth game, a much more defense-oriented game, obviously. But back to the 49ers. I mean, this was one of those just all-time wins for a franchise. And depending on what they do in the next game, it could kind of be one of those games that just sticks with this organization for decades to come. It was that special on so many different levels. And, and there are concerns, obviously. You don't, you don't get to come back from a 24-7 deficit without being down 24-7. And obviously, there are some problems with being down 24-7. And we'll briefly talk about those. I want to leave plenty of time for your, uh, your takeaways because, to me, that's more important than anything just me has to Just me, just I, whoever I am. Anything that I have to say, you know, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say, too. But, uh, I mean, this game is the epitome of four quarters of football. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the score is. And, you know, realistically, when the 49ers came out in the second half, they were down 17 points. But the way the game was unfolding, it, it would inherently feel like more than that because the 49ers just had no answer. And when I say no answer, I mean no answer for what the Lions were doing. They looked like a Dan Quinn coach football team, who, by the way, is just a phenomenal person. You know, there was a very small piece of me that felt sorry that Dan Quinn had to had to go home, you know, because he just seems like such a, a phenomenal coach. But the Lions seemed like every bit of a Dan Quinn fo- Dan Quinn. I didn't call him Dan Quinn, did I? Now all of a sudden I'm 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 just blanking. But they were out physicaling the 49ers. They were out running the 49ers. They were out passing the 49ers. Dan Campbell. Did I call him Dan Quinn? I think I did. Did I call him Dan Quinn the first time? That's horrible. 49, 49ers don't have trouble with Dan Quinn. But anyways, good dude. Seems awesome. Looking forward to seeing what he does with that team going forward. Um, but this game was probably my first takeaway. And my, the, the, the first thing I want to talk about is this game crushed Every single narrative that exists out there about what Brock Purdy is capable of doing, what Kyle Shanahan teams are capable of doing, how much they can't come back, and what deficit they're, they've never come back from, and what Brock Purdy's limited to doing, and what he can and can't do, and how he can and can't win, and how he's reliant on everybody around. Like they were all just fucking crushed under Kyle Shanahan's Yeezys. Now, look, again, it's not that this game comes without any criticism. Like, you don't, you don't just get to go down 24-7 and then come back and win and nobody talk about the fact that you were down 24-7. But we'll get to that later. The fact that the 49ers came back from such a massive deficit in the playoffs 
against a team that was in a way sort of a, a built to uh, keep the 49ers from getting into the rhythm they like to get on, which a lot of it relies upon the run game. But I mean, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and when it comes to Brock Purdy, every drive in the second half of this game was a game winning drive. Because if you didn't have any one of those, you're not going to win the game. The 49ers had built themselves into such a deficit that every single one of the drives in the second half mattered. And you know how they went? They went field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, kneel down, game over. You're going to the Super Bowl. When the 49ers had to have it. When they needed it and they needed every single drive to count. They went nine plays, field goal, five plays, touchdown, four plays, touchdown, 11 plays, field goal, seven plays, touchdown, and kneel that bitch down. Every narrative that Kyle Shanahan's offense can't come from behind or Brock Purdy isn't, isn't, isn't able to create plays on his own and is dependent on the system and the people around him, all of it was squashed. All of it was squashed. And inevitably, somebody out there, some jackass will... will that has way too big of a microphone for their own good. We'll, we'll move the goalpost and find some other way. They'll somehow make it about the Super Bowl, the hardest of the hard, the, the furthest of the goalposts. They'll, you know, if, if Brock Purdy doesn't find a way to win the Super Bowl, then, you know, it was all fake. But we are past that. It is, it is beyond. Anybody who watched that game knows that they would not have done it, could not have done it without Brock Purdy. And that's not saying that, you know, there some other magic didn't happen. It obviously did, and it has to. That's how football works. There's 22 guys that uh, that are consistently starting, and, and every one of them has to do, the, do their job at any given time. And then if you want to throw the special teams guys into there too, obviously, it's more than 22. But, I mean, from, from again, every drive in the second half was a game winner. And every drive in the second half was like a gotta have it from a defensive perspective. And how did they respond? Turnover on downs, fumble, punt, turnover on downs, and a touchdown with 56 seconds left. In a prevent defense that I despise more and more every time I see it, but it just, both units on either side of the ball had to have it every single time they got on the field and they executed. And they may not have executed in the first half, but it doesn't matter. It's not, if, if, if football was over at halftime, then the 49ers would have gotten their asses handed to them, but they, but it wasn't. Brock Purdy made so many damn clutch throws under pressure in the face of contact. All of them when they're down on the scoreboard. You've got that third down to Jawan Jennings back across the field where he made it look like he was going to scramble to pull Jawan's defenders away from him, and then he just threw it over both their heads. Jawan Jennings with a one-handed catch to bring it down. The touchdown after the deep shot to Brandon Ayuk, you know, that one was a little bit of luck involved, but you need luck in football games. And uh, the ball bounced off the defender's face mask and, and Brandon Ayuk made a dive and catch. And then two plays later, I believe it was two plays, three plays. Um, Brock Purdy th- threads it right in between two defenders who kind of come together right as the ball goes by and right into the hands of Brandon Ayuk, who ran a great route for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he beat the blitz, pulled some. I mean, if you watched the the Chiefs and Ravens games, you saw Lamar Jackson make some of those crazy plays where it looks like a guy's got him sacked, and he just ducks under it and then goes and makes throws up. I mean, he threw a touchdown off one of them. Purdy did the same thing. Went under, got under the sack, scrambled to the left right before he went out of the sideline. He hit 
Kyle Juszczyk, who did a diving, not a diving, excuse me, toe tapper right at the sideline for the first down. Um, and that was, it, it was only about a 10 yard play. It was to convert for the first down, but that was pretty was about to be sacked. That was a 16 yard play, a 16 yard swing. Um, that Purdy made happen on that play. Three huge scrambles. One of them on second down, the other two on third down. Uh, I mean, per, I think Purdy ran for 50-something yards. Uh, yeah, five carries for 48 yards, 21 being the big, the, the longest of them. So just a, a pretty unbelievable game, and it wasn't mistake-free on the, on the one interception Brock Purdy did throw. I mean, it, it looked like he was forcing it anyways. It may have been picked anyways the decision he was making and who to throw it to. But as he was throwing uh, at basically a hand came up right in front of his and they kind of right as he was throwing the ball, his hand hit the defender's hand and uh, too many people hitting Brock Purdy's arm, by the way, we've seen how that story can end, but what a contrast for the 49ers and, and what a contrast from how this game started. And I mean, I don't know if I want to get into that yet. We'll get into that in a little bit. But from the perspective of Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, you saw Brock Purdy do everything and anything and everything that you would want to see a quarterback do in the situation he did in. Make big plays, make big throws, open yourself up for the opportunity of big plays, like that deep throw to Brandon Ayuk. And yeah, they got lucky that it bounced off that defender's head. But how many times have we seen teams attempt those things against the 49ers and get these lucky pass interference calls? Or not lucky, just bad coverage, but... Brock Purdy never wilted. The dude just kept going and kept making plays and and that type of mentality from the whole team's perspective to just be down by 17 points and it looked like there is no hope for a comeback because they are beating the brakes off your team and to just kind of stare that in the face and keep moving forward is different. It's different. It's different. You don't see that every you don't see that often. You just don't see it often. And then kind of on the other side of the ball, one of the things that helped enable the 49ers to shift the momentum around and, and, and really drive this game home was the fact that the, the Lions did a lot of favors for the 49ers. They went for, I felt like every single time the Lions threw the ball, it was a favor to the 49ers. And now that's not saying that, I mean, the the, the Lions had p- plenty of success through the air. Jared Goff completed 25 of 41 for 273 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, he They were slinging it pretty well. Laporta had nine catches for 97 yards. Uh, Amon Ross State Brown, seven catches for 87 yards. They were moving the ball. But anybody who watched that game just saw how insanely dominant the Lions were on the ground, like in a way that was mystifying and for the 49ers, just absolutely soul-crushing. There was a point... And I do have the first quarter summary. No, I have the first half summary uh, right here. At the end of the first half, the Lions had rushed for tw- 21 times for 148 yards at seven yards a carry and three touchdowns. Those are full game numbers. The 49ers gave up more yards, I believe, just in the half and on the ground than they've ever given up in a half before. At least I think in the Kyle Shanahan era, it may even go further than that. And so I felt like every time they passed the ball, even though Goff did okay and he didn't turn the ball over, it was a favor because the run game for the Lions was just dominant, feels like it doesn't even describe it. Every time they passed, it was doing them a favor. And they went for two fourth down conversions, both of which would have given 
or at least one of which would have given the 49ers, or excuse me, the, the Lions, a three-score lead. But they elected to go for fourth downs twice. They passed it on both of them and didn't get either one of them. And that allowed the 49ers to reel back in some of that momentum for themselves. Uh, now, the only other time they went for it on fourth down was also a pass in the end zone when they had to have it, and they did get it. But, I mean, again, I just felt like every pass was doing a favor to the 49ers because the Lions could have just kept running the ball, kept stealing the clock, kept stealing the time of possession. But for the sake, you know, for balance's sake, I guess, you know, if they can't stop you, keep doing it. And and the Lions didn't keep doing it. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously the second half did not go their way. But in the second half, in the third quarter, they only rushed the ball six times for 20 yards. 3.3 yards of carry and good on the 49ers for shutting it down. And in the fourth quarter, they only rushed the ball to two carries for 14 yards. So the Lions completely abandoned the run game in the second half. And that was not the reason the 49ers lost, but certainly is a reason or a part of the reason because anybody who watched that game know that the Lions were completely dominating the 49ers in every way, shape or form. Um, you know, and, and if you, if you want to get into the concerning part of things about this game, and, and I think that you guys won't have any trouble really embracing that. And the fact that, you know, based on what you just watched, the Lions did exactly what everybody expected them to do. And the 49ers had absolutely no answer for it. And worse yet, looked completely unprepared for it. Again, the Lions were just running the ball all over the 49ers. The 49ers gave up a third and 12 on the ground and then a third and 18, whatever it is, three plays later. That one was through the air, but they gave up a third and 12 on the ground, which to me speaks to a much more, much more serious problem, something scheme related. And that seem might seem obvious, but it, it, when you're giving up that kind of yardage in, in, in those kinds of situations, I mean, the Lions essentially abandoned the run in the second half. Not abandoned, but they weren't nearly as good at it, and they still averaged 6.3 yards per carry. The 49ers, in contrast, who had good success on the ground, they averaged 4.7 yards a carry. So the Lions were just absolutely imposing their will on the 49ers, and for some reason, the 49ers looked like they had no idea it was coming when that was the 49 or the Lions brand all year, especially on the road when... You, you're going to want to control the clock and you're not going to want to get things too out of hand. And everything seemed like it was going to Lions plan and, and, and credit to the 49ers for doing what they needed to do to turn the tide on offense and defense. But there are some serious concerns with how much money and talent is invested in the 49ers front seven and just how horrible they were in this game. I mean, you can go to, this is kind of a, a, a long exercise and I don't want to get into it, but I could just read through the plays. Detroit Lions um, to the right for four yards, up the middle for 15 yards. Um, then that's a pass to the left for 14. Um, and then run right up the uh, around, around, uh, end around the right side, kind of like a reverse, 42 yards. And then you go to the next. Um, you go to the next Lions drive. Um, left end, seven yards right left short left 14 yards um short right 13 yards um right end 10 yards these are all runs going for the same amount of yardage as pass plays that 
there is a level of concern there. Now we're into the second quarter. Um, Montgomery, right tackle, uh, 14 yards. Um, Amon Ross Brown, 11 yards. Um, Jared Goff, sack. Laporta, 9 yards. Hunt. Okay, so the 49ers had a stop on that one. You get the point. The amount of yardage that the Lions were just chipping away at was, I mean, not unheard of, but you're not, no one's used to watching an NFL team run the ball and get, at one point they were averaging 10 yards a carry. If I go to my tweeter, now known as X, now known as X, so serious, X. Let me go scroll all the way down here. Okay, the, okay, so with 5.54 left in the first half, the Lions had 13 carries for 113 yards and three touchdowns at 8.7 yards a carry. No one is used to watching an NFL team run for 8.7 yards per carry. It was really quite jarring to look at. And so, you know, moving forward, that absolutely has to be something that is somehow remedied. I thought getting Eric Armstead back into this, into the equation would would really kind of ease up on that. But if any, I mean, I'm not saying it got worse because the 49ers at the same time as Armstead coming back also went up against one of the best rushing teams in the NFL with what might be the best offensive line in the NFL. So whatever, but you know, this game went from fire Steve Wilkes to what a recovery from Steve Wilkes. I'm sure there's still plenty of fire Steve Wilkes out there and, and who's, who knows if Steve Wilkes is going to be back next year, but the, the way the 49ers were getting beaten that first half just seemed like a game that if they lost that way, things would have to change in some way or another. Luckily, they find a way, they found a way to turn it down. I mean, there were so many things. 49ers constantly giving up outside contain, which is a very basic defensive principle. Now, you still have to execute it, but the amount of times that an individual or a small group of players would allow themselves to be beat around the edge was just really concerning when there are so many basic football drills and, and things you can work on to just prevent that from happening. You know, I've, I used to tell my players this, this last season, like, look, I don't even care if you make the tackle or not, just shadow the guy to the sideline, you know, trail him at the, basically the back end of his inside hip, you know, kind of like line your, the front of your body up with the back of his body and, and run him to the sideline. And the 49ers should continually found ways to allow guys, whether it was through a shimmy, whether it was just through being out, you know, outran to the sideline. It was, it was insane how often they were giving up outside contain over and over and over. And there were wide open targets, guys that were in the flat running backs, tight ends that would then gain like 15 yards after the catch. So many missed tackles, which have become kind of a disturbing trend. The lack of consistent pressure. Now, I the first thing when I mentioned pressure, you guys can be like, "What?" I remember Nick Bosa doing this. That's all you remember. Nick Bosa is the only. Nick Bosa had two sacks. Those are the team's only sacks. He had four quarterback hits. Those are the team's only quarterback hits. Eric Armstead did have one other, so I'll give him that. But the entire rest of the defensive quarterback sheet, whether it be sacks or hits, is empty. I'm sure something with more detailed statistics like pro football focus, they'll have more, but the 49ers stat sheet, especially compared to the lions is relatively empty when it comes to pressuring the quarterback, which again, uh, chase young, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. There's no excuse to not be pressuring the quarterback. And one more time, the lions do have a phenomenal offensive line, but 
that you know that that's concerning. And despite all this, despite the, the being gassed on the run, despite being shit, gashed through the air, despite all the bad calls, missed tackles, they despite all of this, they came alive in the second half and they found a way to get it done. Again with the possessions in the first half, Lions went touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal. Second half, turnover on downs, fumble, punt, turnover on downs, touchdown, you know, at the very end of the game. So there was a very clear, we're making a U-turn, we've got to do this differently. And there's no way that can't be impressive. Even on the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers, missed field goal, touchdown, interception, punt, end of half. Second half, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. I mean, the entire team flipped a switch that we've rarely seen them flip before. You know, it's just mind-blowing to think of the fact that at one point it looked like Steve Wilkes was not going to be back. But his team team and his unit found a way to get it done in the second half. I mean, and I'm I'm still not, I'm not here sitting here saying Steve Wilkes is the answer. But you have to acknowledge the fact that everything changed at the halftime, and some of that is is up to him. Um, I mean, what are the Chiefs going to say? The 49ers are obviously now facing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And it, you look at that first half, and again, it, it, that's only half the game, and everything in the second half changed. But you feel like the Chiefs are going to watch this game and be like, we can do whatever we want against this defense. And that's not really how the NFL works. Every matchup is different. Personnel is different. Schemes are different. They fit together in different ways. But you got to be, I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you're looking at this going, man, that's the 49ers defense that we just saw? The one like, the one that was down 24-7? to And I'm sure they're going to look at that second half too and be like, wow, the, uh, the I'm not sure the Lions wanted to win this game with the way they handled the fourth downs. But uh, again, uh, you know, now that I say that, though, I do feel like the 49ers might have gotten a little lucky in a weird way. Not that lucky because this is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Taylor Swift coming to town. Not coming to town, coming to Las Vegas. But, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just seem like an unstoppable juggernaut, especially when they face the 49ers, and now they're out. They're at home. And that was very jarring to watch because I, I didn't think there was a team in this league that had anything to answer the Ravens with. And the Chiefs did it. And yeah, the Chiefs only scored 17 points. The Ravens only scored 10. Just to remind you how many points the Ravens scored against the 49ers, 33. You know, and the Chiefs just held them to 10 points. And and, and again, it's, it's it doesn't always add up like that. But 49ers now face Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs again. A Chiefs team that is not nearly as potent as the Chiefs team they faced the last time in the Super Bowl, but defense looks like it's more capable, whereas the offense looks like it's a small step down without Travis Kelsey in his prime, without, I mean, he looked really good, though, and with some amazing catches. Um, Tyreek Hill, obviously, on another squad. Uh, So we'll get into that. We'll get into that, but... Overall, this was just an incredible playoff game. I'm very happy for all of you. Uh, and, and, you know, reading your takeaways was a fun experience. And just you can just see the emotion flowing through the text. Um, and we got two more weeks of, of striking gold with a purpose. You know, I, I, I think we ain't done yet. Because we're not. You know, we have to start preparing for our Super Bowl coverage. I'm going to try and get at least... 
Uh, more than one, KP is going to jump back on here. We'll break down uh, break down the Lions game. We'll break down kind of what the Chiefs have to offer. Uh, I'm going to try and get at least one other guest on here. Um, in a, you know, in, in addition to KP, and uh, and we'll do the damn thing. I'm trying to think of. Unfortunately, uh, before we get into your takeaways, my prize fix again did 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 not did not hit. Did not hit. Uh, I I I felt good about it. I felt good about it. Oh, I got to make sure. Oh, there's a yeah, there's a a sale on Patrick Mahomes passing yards for uh, for the Super Bowl. Man, they've already got the uh, the Super Bowl prize fix up here. That's exciting to see. Uh, my entries unfortunately did not hit. Christian McCaffrey did hit the over on 0.5 rushing yards. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had Purdy throwing for more than 276 passing yards. He threw for 267. Missed that one by nine. Uh, George Kittle only had 27 receiving yards. It was a relatively quiet game for George Kittle. Um, I had him at 61 and a half. And then Jameer Gibbs, I had him, I expected him to have more than 22 and a half receiving yards, and he only had, only had 11. Um, so I, I only hit on one of the three, and the one I did hit on was like a, a sale. <laughs> so it uh, wasn't a great uh, prize picks run for me. But again, I'm enjoying it. Prizepicks.com slash gold. Daily fantasy sports. Two to six players. Flex play, power play, go big, go home, whatever sport you want. Picking more, picking less, watching the winnings roll in. I love it. You know this because it's simple. It's easy. If I can figure out for a whole season whether I'm winning or not, you can to prizepicks.com slash gold and then use the promo code gold. And uh, they're going to match any first deposit up to 100 bucks. Prizepicks.com slash gold, promo code gold. Finally being able to say that without flipping over my words. All right, I think it's about that time. Do I have any closing thoughts? Do I have any closing thoughts? Yeah, maybe a, maybe a correct a correct close on my thoughts would be uh, just how about a shout out and uh, an RIP to CJ Gardner Johnson, the safety who talked all kinds of shit on Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, by the way, eight catches on nine targets for eighty nine yards. He also had three carries for seven yards. Huge numbers there. 2.3 yards a carry. But Debo Samuel had a perfectly good game. And uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson made it seem like uh, he wasn't going to do anything against them. And he was also waving goodbye to 49ers fans during the second quarter. When the Lions were up 21-24-7. Waving goodbye to 49ers fans at Levi Stadium. Um, only to be ushered out himself after the fourth quarter. All talk, all talk, just like um, just like the dude from last week who tried to uh, flop on Trent Williams and then got ran over for the go-ahead touchdown by Christian uh, McCaffrey. So, talking that shit, can't back it up, can't back it up. Yeah, I think we got it. I think we got it. We'll, we'll be we'll be talking about this game for at least another week. So if I missed anything, I will get to it. I'm just looking at my notes to see if I uh, if I left everything on here. Man, Purdy was Purdy was cool. Watching that, I mean, it's just it's just different, man. Watching a team come back and win a game like that in the NFC Championship game against one of the best teams in the NFL. It's just. It's just not normal. Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns. 
did injure himself there towards the end of the game. When he got tackled, he kind of flipped over, landed on his head, said it was a stinger, said he'll be fine. Kyle Shanahan didn't bring up any any major injuries. I didn't see the update on Ambry Thomas, who left the game with an injury. Uh, we'll see on that one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do the damn thing. Let's get over to your takeaways. I am headed there now. We're going to start up top. We're going to go down. Um, Nate says, 49ers come back, clinches NFC Championship and Super Bowl spot. Yes. Yes, they did, Nate. Uh, Lewis says, get Robbie Gould on the phone tonight. Ah, yes. The old special teams that we did not talk about. Jake Moody did miss what I believe was a 48-yarder, if I'm not mistaken. Um, pushed it just a few yards right, uh, but it is a miss. And then he was good on everything else. What did he make? Two field goals and then all the extra points. Uh, no, he only made one field goal. He missed one, and he made all four extra points. Uh, the one field goal he did. I thought he made two. Oh, no, he says he made one. Oh, I can hear uh, little Rob the Six crying. I'll get to you in a little bit, buddy. Let me wrap up the old podcast. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, it didn't come down to a Jake Moody field goal, but the math was there. You know, the math was there. Yeah, why does it say he? I could have sworn. Let me see. Let me let me get to, let me get to the bottom of this, guys. Missed field goal. Yeah, he made two field goals in the second half. That's weird. His his kicking statistics have him making. Oh, well, you know what? That probably means he made two field goals and he missed one. It looks like he attempted two field goals and missed one. You know what I mean? So I, I blame the presentation of the data. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski, one punt for 50, 56 yards. Good for him. So yeah, Jake Moody did miss a kick and no one was surprised whatsoever. Um, and now the 49ers are officially en route to the Super Bowl where the game very well could come down to a made or missed kick. And uh, I, 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 I'm almost positive they're just going to roll with Jake Moody and just hoping that man does not have, um, a, a, you know, a kick 
that cost his team the Super Bowl on his conscience. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but let's keep it positive. Maybe he's going to make a kick that wins the 49ers a Super Bowl, right? Right. Anyways, uh, probably should call Robbie Gold. Matt Lee said, "Man, if if you don't if you don't love that, you don't love football, and I love this team. What more can you ask for? We had a m- miraculous catches, huge fourth down stops, and ultimately, might I say it, the best comeback of all time. I'm not sure if it's the best comeback of all time. I mean, they were down 17. I mean, the Kyle Shanahan has been on the receiving end of what might be the best comeback of all time, but still impressive nonetheless. I'll see all of y'all in Rob's takeaway time for the Super Bowl. Let's go. I love that. I'll see all of you in Rob's takeaway time for the Super Bowl. Because I will be doing a takeaway time after the Super Bowl. I'm not packing it up just because the last game's over. Uh, win or lose. Appreciate you, Matt Lee. So Graz says, I am six years older than I was three hours ago. If you haven't seen Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis, there's, an, there's, a, there's a scene. You know, when the Civil War's over and he's talking to Grant, his, his general, and he goes, by outward appearance, you look 10 years older than you were last time they talked. And there are some insane pictures of how much uh, Lincoln aged during the civil war. that's how, you know, the man cared right there Uh, because the stress of that war and managing a country at war with itself. I mean, that guy in his presidency, which I think was like five years off the top of my head. Um, he looked like he aged 15 to 20 years. And that's like what all of us did while watching that game. It was not a comfortable game to, to watch whatsoever. Shout out to Travis, um, leader of the McDonald clan who, who messaged me saying that uh, his blood pressure medication was definitely not holding up. Nobody's was. Uh, so says I may have said some things between three thirty and five Pacific standard time that I'm not proud of. That was exhausting. But I think it's important to remember that all of those things in the first half still happen and they still present issues that are going to need to be corrected over the next two weeks um, because the Chiefs can bring it in the run game too. Isaiah Pacheco's a stud and uh, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is Andy Reid. So the 49ers still have a, a, a massive challenge, not just to prepare for the Chiefs, but to remedy the issues that were made glaringly obvious against the Lions. Too Fresh says, still can't believe it. I was calling for Wilkes head at half and the defense showed up. I was hyped when Ambry got hurt, which I'm embarrassed um, about, but the defense still showed up. Ambry Thomas was having a pretty rough, pretty rough game. What an emotional win. We got one more stay aggressive and focused. We got this hashtag striking gold fam. I am going to stay aggressive too fresh. I am going to stay focused and we do have this. And uh, I mean, I am, I'm here in my home in Fresno, California, but I mean, I got this. When I get done with this, I'm going to go help take care of my six-week-old son, you know, and and just try to get him to bed. He's got bad gas. You know, it's hard for him to get to bed, but once he gets to bed, he's he's been sleeping really well. So shout out to uh shout out to mama 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 Katie for holding it down. Um, but yeah, 49ers got one more. They got one more. And standing in the way is one of the greatest quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. And he's established that in a short period of time. And uh, what now trying to win his third Super Bowl in like five years. Jesus. 
Something like that. My goodness. Michael Quaglieri. When it mattered most, the team showed that they have the stones to do what no one believed they could. Purdy showed us that he has the most important trait in football, being clutch. Faithful, we're going to the Super Bowl. So many clutch plays from Purdy. So many clutch scrambles. So many clutch throws. Now, now, you know, there were, it's not to say he made every play. He made mistakes. He forced the ball um, in, a, in a tough situation where he did get hit, threw an interception, um, you know, probably missed some other throws, missed some other plays that we'll, we'll see later on. But, you know, they're not all going to go your way. You're not going to make the correct decision 100% of the time. And the important part is to just keep going. The 49ers just kept going. And they uh, <laughs> they came back. From a 17-point deficit, I think at one point they'd scored 27 unanswered points. That's nuts. Jeffrey K. Lyles at Lyles Movie Files. Man, hope I'm not too late. You are not too late, Jeffrey K. I'm recording this at 10.30 p.m. You left this uh, two hours ago, so you're good. I, I'm, I'm recording super late because you know I wanted to watch the game back really quickly a couple times. I wanted to watch the press conferences. Um, Jeffrey K said, man, I'm hoping I'm not too late. First half was so depressing, but this was such a sweet comeback win, even better than 2012. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was just different. I, I haven't seen one like that in, in, in a while. And, you know, you know that there's just so many people out there that are upset by it, given what they think of Shanahan and Purdy and 49ers and, and how much they love the lions. I mean, Three quarters of the country was rooting for the Lions in that game, and the 49ers found a way to uh, shut them all down. Gunner IX, Gunner 9, I was ready to call it a day after the third and 18 completion. Keeping them to a field goal at the end of the half was key. Thank God we woke up in the second half. Job's not done yet. Uh, funny story, my little brother, uh, Brett, calls me. Right after the 49ers scored the second touchdown after the fumble recovery where Christian McCaffrey punches it in, Calls me and he goes, um, I need to know everything that happened after the, uh, the, the fourth down attempt that they didn't get. And I'm like, why do you need to know these things? And he was like, well, I, uh, I had to make a, a drink run and, uh, I missed all that. I mean, and I, and I don't blame him at all because the 49ers were getting absolutely hammered, but in the short amount of time that he had gone to, uh, to grab like a cerveza, the, the 49ers had scored 14 points and were now within one score. Um, Darren says Brock Purdy's legs. That's it. That's the takeaway. Yeah. I mean, just brought them out of nowhere. And we've always known Brock was mobile. We've always known that he could make something out of nothing with his legs. And he did those things still, but to see him run down the field and take advantage of the fact that the lions were just kind of leaving the middle of the field open. Um, it was cool. And it's something the chiefs are going to have to worry about because if, if Brock Purdy gets a little more comfortable with that, He's quick enough to make it work. He's shifty enough to make it work. Just don't get hit because you're not that big. Um, Pardini, that was stressful. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Um, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. I, I think that if you, in the in the California area, in the greater California area, and maybe even the surrounding states, I think that quite a few Heart doctors are going to get new patients tomorrow. We need to see the data. Someone get it to me. Um, Deanna Tree, Campbell, coach of the Lions, gambled. Who lives by the sword, dies by the sword. Yep, he goes for those fourth downs. 
One of them, at least now the first fourth down, he didn't get, where was that? Where was that? That was the first. Okay. That was the first. And that was on trying to see what yard line. Yeah. He went for a fourth down. No, trying to, I think that was the one. 49ers came out and got a field goal, right? They came out and got a field goal. They cut it to 14. Detroit Lions get the ball. They get all the way to the 49ers, 28. They elect to go for it on fourth down. If they would have kicked it there, they would have been three. They had three more points than they had otherwise. And the 49ers, um, I mean, the 49ers got it at the 28 anyways. It wasn't like the, the Lions were giving up good field position. The Lions would have extended their lead to three scores. And in 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 all reality, just based on the fact that, you know, a missed field goal and a made field goal kind of results in the same thing for the 49ers on that part of the field. The 49ers got the ball to 28 instead of the 25. Um, but the Lions had nothing to show for it. If they would have kicked that field goal, they would have been up by three scores. It would have been pushed back to 17 and the 49ers would have been trying to overcome an even bigger deficit. And at best, if everything else happens the same, the game's tied. It's going into overtime. And the Lions don't need to do as much at the end of the game. So, you know, Dan Campbell was gambling, but to me, that doesn't even seem like a good gamble. It, it wasn't even a. I didn't even see like a. Oh, I could see why he's doing this. Uh, why? Maybe he felt like a touchdown in that situation just puts the game away in what was their first drive in the second half. But it just seems sloppy to go for it there. But I, I mean, again, like you said, live by the sword, die by the sword. They didn't get that one. They didn't get the other one. So I don't know. Uh, Ty Carter, way too many players on playmakers on defense to get dominated like this, or are they not as good as I thought they were? I think I think both of those are valid thoughts. I think there's a chance that that you know that these players aren't as good as you thought they were, or or the, maybe the Lions were better than you thought they were. But either way. To get dominated to that extent, I had the same takeaway. We talked about it earlier. Like the 49ers have Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Chase Young, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and then whoever else you want to throw in there to be a part of that front seven, front six. Like, How does a unit like that get absolutely bullied? And I know it's because, you know, Javon Hargrave is, was not brought in here for his run-stuffing abilities. Nick Bosa, is he's decent against the run, but he's not here for his run-stuffing abilities. Chase Young looked bad more than he looked good today. You know, like Eric Armstead, he, he can stop the run, but you can only do so much by yourself. And, and the 49ers just seem like, man. Are they not as good as they thought they were, like Ty says? At the very least, they are far too talented to be bullied like that. And if they do that in the Super Bowl, the result is going to be the same, except that Patrick Mahomes won't be missing as many throws. And his receivers, I mean, I assume, won't be dropping as many of them either. Corbin says, credit to Kyle and Steve and this awesome 49ers team. Tragic first half and coached and played the hell out of the second half. Proud of the team. Let's go. Yep, the 49ers were outplayed and outcoached in the first half. Whatever adjustments made they made in the second half completely flipped the script, and they do deserve credit for that. They do deserve credit for that. Jeffrey Beal, I don't feel like we made a single defensive stop that entire game. The Lions stopped themselves. Never interfere with an enemy when he's in the process of hurting himself. Yep. 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you look at it, you have a point. The first one was a turnover on downs that we just talked about that really should have never happened. They should have kicked the field goal, gone up by three scores. And then they immediately fumbled the ball after one play on the next drive. Now that was, I mean, that's not necessarily beating yourself. It is. You just turned the ball over, but, uh, Sean Gibson came up and forced that fumble. It goes both ways. Chicken, the egg type thing. Did he fumble it or was the fumble forced? Whatever. Uh, punted on the next one. And that's, that's 49ers defense turned over on, turned it over on downs again, dropped it. Oh, on the punt. I think that was the one where Reynolds like just had the first down and just dropped it. So yeah, that's beating yourself turnover on downs again. I think that one was the one where he was under pressure. Goff was under pressure and that kind of forced the incompletion and they scored at the end of the game. So there is some logic to the, to the, you know, that they beat themselves. I feel like there is an element of luck. There is, you know, the line, there is an element of the lions imploding just as much as there is the lion, the 49ers stopping them. And that's a scary thought because you're like, well, I mean, the chiefs and their in they're not infinite, but their extensive postseason experience are not going to make the same mistakes. And Andy Reid, with all of his experience and Mahomes with all of his experience are not going to give the 49ers the kinds of opportunities to, to swing the tide that the lions did. Ben said, just win. That's my takeaway. Papa Joe, the Poppy Joe, the chiefs rematch is going to, Give me Philly rematch vibes, best possible Super Bowl opponent mentally for this team. I do agree with that. A lot of people on this roster were there for the the, the loss to the, to the Chiefs, and um, especially Nick Nick Nicholas John Bosa. And I think that I do think you're right. Again, I thought the I thought that it, this goes all the way back. I thought I thought the Bills were the scariest team in the playoffs. And they, you know, sure, they couldn't get out of their own way a lot of the times, but I, they got eliminated. And then then I thought the Ravens were the, by far the scariest team in the playoffs. And even then, probably scarier than the Bills. But, I, you know, and I knew that they weren't playing yet. And then they get eliminated. And while the Chiefs are more than capable of winning the Super Bowl and stealing it from the 49ers, not stealing it, taking it, but I do think that they are the best opponent for the 49ers. I think the 49ers match up well against them stylistically. It, it'll just be a manner of limiting the heroics from Mahomes. Um, but yeah, they, they should have no problem getting up for this game, knowing that they've been there against this team before. Mike McVay, we won. That's all that matters. This team came through when it mattered the most. The second half was like when Sly Stallone turned his hat around and over the top to win the match. Turned his hat around, brought that hand up and over, and brought it down. If you haven't seen over the top, it's uh, it's corny as hell, but it's awesome. It's got a cool like family dynamic, I guess. In a way, Salar Denis, uh, that's as good as it's gonna get, man. The Niners' defense awfully misses an energetic coach feeding them. You know that there is a point to be had there, Robert Sala. D'Amico Ryans were on the sideline and, and energetic as hell. And, and we've seen Steve Wilkes get that way, but it's not the same. I, anybody can see that. With all due respect, Wilkes has a very different energy from the players and the disharmony shows. Yeah, I, I mean, again, watching the Lions convert on the ground on third and 12 really 
points a brighter spotlight for me on Steve Wilkes. Like if you're giving up and if you look at that play, Dre Greenlaw's lined up over like the center and then Fred Warner's lined up over like the right guard, right tackle. And then they run to the left and they never even had a shot. And so to me, it's like, what, what play call are we calling? What's the scheme here? What is it meant to stop? Because it's not stopping anything. El Jefe, what the just happened? I got no take. Bang, bang, Niner gang. I'm sure a lot of people are still thinking that. I mean, I'm still thinking that. I'm going to go watch the, the highlights of the game again just to take it all in because it was just a tale of two halves that just are, I'm struggling to blend together into one football game in my mind. John Dietrich Jr., I seriously hope that Wilkes has something in his back pocket that he's holding till the Super Bowl because that vanilla zone, no imagination blitz defense ain't working against Mahomes. Kelsey will go for 200 on that. I don't doubt it. I don't think that the 49ers are going to approach the Super Bowl the same way they approach this game. But yeah, it's going to have to be it's going to have to be very different. Uh, night and day different answer said what a comeback what a team has a coach grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory as well as dan campbell did tonight cmc has is always amazing Purdy again clutch when the game was on the line but how about the catch three for my what a crazy play well the catch three already happened didn't it wasn't that vernon davis yeah the catch was dwight clark and then the catch two was owens Owens, Owens, he caught it. And then Vernon. And then we could, I mean, we could call it the catch four. We we could call it something. I think I saw, I think I heard Guy Haberman call it the immaculate deflection or the Ayuk fluke. I wouldn't call it a fluke. You know, it, obviously it's, it's, it's a low percentage play, but to, to have the wherewithal, because Ayuk jumps up, tries to one hand that thing. And it goes past his hand and he gets his head around. It hits the defender's face mask because he's kind of falling backwards, bounces up. And Ayuk maintains his eye contact with the football enough to dive forward and catch it. The dude's hand barely touched Ayuk's thigh. If it doesn't, he just gets up and scores, which he did. But they counted him down by contact. So the catch for whatever you want to play it. It was an insane play that arguably turned the course, changed the course of the game. Uh, David Soto, big comeback. Defense tightened up, and Detroit wilted in the second half. Purdy scrambles, saved drives, and scored, powered the offense to the winning touchdown. Yeah, so Purdy in the first half. I should have mentioned this earlier. Purdy in the first half was 7 of 15 for 93 yards and an interception and a 39 rating. It can get worse, but it can't get that much worse. In the third quarter alone, he was 8 of 11 for 126 yards and a touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, he was 5 of 5 for 48 yards. So if you put those two together, Purdy was 13 of 16 for almost 200 yards and a touchdown in the second half. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. William Hardwick, the ladybug on the shoe before the game. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk was asked after the game what, I mean, what he could attribute that catch towards. And he was like, well, I mean, I had a ladyboo, a ladybug, ladyboo, a ladyboo land on my shoe before the game. And it was good luck. <laughs> what a comeback. Have to stop the run. But second half was great. I'm so glad we have that game manager on our team. Yeah, that ain't that just uh, that won't fly with anybody anymore. 
And I know you're being sarcastic, William. I, I got you because I was I tweeted the same thing today. But yeah, it's just it's the narrative is smashed. It's over. Bond Atone Part Two. I didn't get to Part One yet, so we'll, we'll read your Part Two first, just because I don't want to skip it. Let me see if I can find Part One. Okay, here it is. Excuse my language. That's why it's it's Part One because it was muted by Twitter for language. Excuse my language. Shout out to this effing loser, CJ Gardner Johnson, waving bye to the 49ers faithful after the cheap shot to Debo. He did take a cheap shot to Debo, which makes that even sweeter. Debo proceeded to hang up 89 yards on his head. Also, what did you see from Steve Wilkes after halftime to stop the run? It wasn't as much as they stopped the run as it was like they abandoned it. Well, I mean, they had six carries for 20 yards and 3.3 yards of carry. So they did stop the run. And I, I would have to go back and look at to see like schematic differences in alignment. Like, how do you go from allowing a third and 12 on the ground to, to stopping the run? But in, in the end, that was only they only ran the ball the entire third quarter six times. So the Lions really got away from the run. Uh, but again, I'd have to look at it in more detail. But OK, so now I'll go to your part two. Part one, CJ Johnson is a loser. Part two. What do the Niners do for the Chiefs? We open up two-point favorites. Should we choose to receive instead of defer? Wilkes needs to figure out something out to keep Mahomes from getting loose and containing the Chiefs offense. Um, I wouldn't do anything different. I would defer if Kyle Shanahan likes getting the ball in the second half, but it's true. It immediately marches the defense out there, and the Lions proceeded to score in four plays, which is just mind-numbing. So, I mean, I'm not – if – I don't have the schematic knowledge to tell you what Steve Wilkes is going to do. I mean, obviously this game is going to, it's like a 50, 50 thing. One, they're going to take a look at the chiefs and see what they do and make their adjustments, how, how they want to face and combat the chiefs Two, And one of those things has to be at least, I mean, make sure Kelsey's doubled at least three quarters of the snaps. And two, it has to be an adjustment based on what they just saw against the Lions. The Chiefs are inevitably going to try and replicate that to some extent, but you can't like you can't just get diced up like the 49ers did in that first half and not make some changes and some improvements based on your own inept and you know, your own struggles. Um, so yeah. Trying to figure out how to keep Mahomes from getting loose is will be the will be the struggle. Joe Maloney. Ayuk catch changed the game. You know, did anything happen before that play? Okay, so that Ayuk, all right. So the Ayuk catch happened shortly after the 49ers forced the turnover on downs. So, I mean, you can say the turnover on downs changed the game. Where you can say the Ayuk touchdown changed the game. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, I, I'll, I'll agree with both. As a receivers coach, I like the idea of a receivers catch changing the game. Uncle Lou, 49ers are still winning. Luckily, I do think there's an element to that. Uh, it's not a bulletproof element. You know, the 49ers are getting stops on fourth down, but I mean, one of them was a drop. And the other one was pressure, which is which that's on the 49ers. They were also poor decisions to begin with. Like Dan Campbell was doing them a favor. You know, uh, I wouldn't say none of this is luck because, you know, in the end, you have to be in the right place at the right time and you have to force things aren't just going to happen without a team infecting 
that situation with whatever they're doing. But there was an element. I, I get what you're saying there, Uncle Lou. Like, there was an element of, of luck to it that the 49ers simply won't be able to rely on against the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, it wasn't all luck, but because in the end they had – I get what you mean, though. You think about the IU catch. You think about forcing a fumble on the first play. You think about them choosing to go for it on fourth down when they could have gone up three score. You know, I get it. I get it. Louis Garrido, for all the haters, this is my quarterback. We need to be better and on defense. Yeah, they they do. And it's a gif of Brock Purdy, of course. Eric Ariashi Wilkes is effing terrible. I understand why you think that. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not agreeing. Uh, you know, he has his moments, but the first half was not it. But it's like, damn, the second half was freaking sweet. First half, not it. Diehard Niner. Thank you, Dan Campbell, for being aggressive and not taking the points. Exactly what we're talking about. Thank you, Purdy, for not being like the other Niners quarterbacks and actually making plays using his legs. Thank you for Kyle for not fucking up play calling. <laughs> um, Kyle Shanahan did, does deserve credit for seemingly having this game under control. Now, the, the buck stops with him in terms of that first half, but the team didn't fold. They didn't wilt. They kept going. They found a way, and that's really all that matters is the fact that it says win. Under the uh, the schedule there. Luso Lou, my takeaway is that I don't know shit. I'm just an overly emotional fan who lives and dies with this team every damn week. Let's go get number six in two weeks. I think it's a perfect takeaway to end because Lou doesn't know shit. He's just excited. He's just excited to be here, which is great, which is great. Nick Bosa on the defense's first half struggles. It was embarrassing. There's more of a quote to that. I, I, I'm not going to play it right now, but. All right. So. Man, 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl, folks. And they've got a chance. They've got a good chance. To uh, to win their sixth, the organization's sixth Lombardi trophy, Kyle Shanahan's first, I believe. A lot of the a lot of players on this organization's first, but it's just crazy with the way that game unfolded and to be able to get to the end of that game and tweet out the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. It's just at no point during the game, I guess as the second half clawed along, you you began to realize there was hope, but at no point during a lot of that game did I think that that was that was going to be something I was going to tweet. Um, shout out to Doctor Disrespect for <laughs> tweeting live live tweeting. Some reaction videos throughout the game. First one, confidence, cigar. Second one, headsets off kilter. Sunglasses off kilter. Fourth one, letting them know. Or third one, letting them know. Get on Dr. Disrespect's Twitter slash X account and check out his videos. If you don't know who Dr. Disrespect is, that's a problem. He's the uh, 6'8", 37-inch vertical leap international video gaming superstar, the back-to-back 1993-1994 blockbuster video gaming champion and true international video gaming superstar in the online gaming community. Um, you know, he's got the the Bulletproof Mullet, a.k.a. Uh, Slick Daddy. He's got the Google prototype scopes with the built-in LCD, LED, 3D, Sony technology. Um. He's got, uh, you know, the uh, Ethiopian poisonous caterpillar. If you don't know, you, you just got you got to fight. You got to figure it out. It's it's Doc. He's a 49ers fan. He's at the games. He's uh, he's the man. Can't miss him. He's actually six eight. All right. 
49ers are headed to the Super Bowl. We will have, I'm, I'm still going to plan on doing at least two podcasts a week before that point. So you're going to hear from me at least three times before we get to the Super Bowl. Um, again, I'm going to try and lock up at least one other guest in addition to KP who said this week, Hey, and, and KP is, 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 is luck from here on out. So I'm, I'm not going to not have him on because, uh, every time KP's come on, the 49ers have won in the postseason. All right, everybody. I appreciate you guys so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for so much for participating in the takeaways. Thank you to all of the regulars that are already there. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to leave us a little bit more support, get on iTunes, um, get on Spotify, leave us a five-star review and uh, tell us how you feel if you want to, but I appreciate it. It's been a hell of a season and it's still going. We are now rolling with the striking gold fam for the last game of the season. And the 49ers and the striking gold fam are a part of the last game of the season. Like, damn, I feel very fortunate be able to ride through this with you guys hopefully it'll uh hopefully it ends in a, in a victory but again there are two teams left and the 49ers are one of them enjoy that all right everybody appreciate you remember pricepicks.com slash gold promo code gold i'm rob this is striking gold we are signing out Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.